It is Doherty disappointment for the Oakley Cannons, but Doherty delight for the Bentley Greens. Their third Doherty Cup title in sensational circumstances at Lakeside Stadium. A come from behind 2-1 win against the Oakley Cannons and Jagub Mustafa, the man returning from injury, coming off the bench, is the hero. And Bentley Greens and Nick Tolias have their second title in their most recent two times of asking. Nick Tolios hasn't even completed a full season as Bentley Green's manager, and he has won pretty much the two things you can ever hope to win as a manager in the state of Victoria. And we have the chance on this week's edition of the NPL Victoria Show, myself, Lockie Flanagan, and Nick DeBano have called in the cavalry to review this game. Uh... Oscar Rutherford is alongside us as well. And not only are we going to be reviewing the Doherty Cup from the weekend, but the catch-up games as well, which had a very big impact on the promotion or on the playoff race, on the relegation race too, because a big shock result happened at Churchill Reserve. And of course, uh, as a little bit of an extra two, we're going to be joined by one of the victorious players, one of the standout players as well, I thought, from the day later on on the program, Bentley Green's midfielder slash for the Doherty Cup central defender. George Lambatteridis. We'll get the chance to talk to him later. But we're going to start with the Doherty Cup. And even before that, we're going to start with welcoming the two people alongside me this evening. We've already previewed them. We've said their names. Say my name. Uh, and now I'm going to say the names again and welcome them into the show. Nick DeBarno and Oscar Rutherford. How are you guys going? It's fine until you touch my shoulder. <laughs> Fair enough. Podcast listeners, I placed somewhat condescendingly <clears throat> uh, my hand on uh, uh, Nick's Left shoulder. I was fine until he did not you, like it. He made an unwound up a sour face. You just wound up and went nice plant. Just I can't really make the the sound. It's like a, it wasn't really that loud. But anyways, it was. <laughs> I'm a, not sure it was. A, I, I did okay, not hear on, it make a, a sound. There we go. That's good better. to know we're getting into the important <laughs> things <laughs> yeah, in the opening ASMR minutes of this in the no but yes, to intimacy. I was fine before that, but uh, thank you, Lockie. I, I'm I'm good. I'm good. It was a good weekend. Um, ready to get into all the. The Doherty Cup review. I'm shattered I couldn't go, guys. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I was really shattered I wasn't able to get to either the Doherty Cup final or the Nike FC Cup final this weekend uh, due to work. I was actually down in G-Town on Saturday, so I was on the other side of mm. the bay, which didn't really help out for for Saturday, but it was a cracking contest. Um, obviously, you both were there, and obviously, you know, it was a great broadcast as well, which, uh, you know, FNR alum Josh Parrish uh, Helmed and did a great job with Moussa Barbieri and Damir Kulash. And, uh, yeah, it was a great game. And congratulations to Bentley. Well, where's the best place to start from the I think afternoon? we should introduce Oscar as well. Yes, well, yes, <laughs> good <laughs> point. the best that place to introducing start. Introducing Oscar is a great <laughs> place to start. I mean, we can go without it. I've said his name a few times. So my name. Uh, Oscar, how are you? I'm also well, yes. And as Nick has said, it was a really good, well, it was a great weekend altogether, including... Saturday's Doherty Cup final, as, as Nick has alluded to, a really good production uh, with, with Josh Parrish and Melissa Barbieri. And, and you know, it was really good to have the extra layer of the, of the cuts to Dami Kulash on the, on the sideline, providing some expertise. So I thought it was, mm. it was a really good show and uh, obviously at a great venue and between two fantastic teams. And so I thought it was, it was a success of a weekend. Well, while you were introducing yourself and let us, letting us know how you're going, Oscar, yeah. I made the executive call uh, as to where the best place to start is. And the best place to start, I think, is, is before the ball was kicked. Because obviously the, the important context or the slightly quirky context, I guess, of this game was that these two sides had played each other 
oh so recently. Nick, you were there for that fixture when uh, Bentley Greens took on the Oakley Cannons on Monday night, right after, the weekend after, in fact, they'd played, they'd had their Australia Cup commitments. Bentley obviously playing at home against uh, against Broadbent and Magic, getting the result there, and Oakley getting a pretty commanding win on the road to Bonnie Rig. But in that game, Bentley won pretty convincingly. And the upshot of that sort of period, that glut of matches, is that both of them went in with um, a, a few players who were who were slightly sore. And I think the big shock in the lineup, I guess, was to see Mario Barcia placed into a fullback slot yeah. inside that uh, inside that Oakley back four. What, what what did you make of the uh, the the starting eleven? I guess other than that, there wasn't a lot in in the way of shock, but you know. Was it a, a bit of a surprise to see the Argentine, you know, who we've come to know as a reliable defensive midfielder, slot into that spot for your guys' assessment? Yeah, because <clears throat> Oliver Kubelay did it in the last meeting, and mm. Oliver Kubelay didn't do a terrible job, mm. I thought. You know, he was up against it against Ajak Riak, who was kind of ragdolling him for 90 minutes, but he held his own for what it was worth. It was a, a really tough task, I and mean, I don't think Mario Barcia played a bad game at all against... Uh, Bentley in that meeting as well. He actually scored a cracker in that yeah. game as well. He, he sort of uh, meandered forward and got in a good position on the edge of the box and hit that with some venom. But I think the big surprise is they didn't even go with someone like Ryan Losty who could have mm. filled in at centre-back in this game. Well, and I find just... that very, very strange, even to play him at left-back and maybe start Pantosopoulos. Was... Odd. Yeah, it was a curious one as well because Ryan Losty was named on the bench, both on Sports TG and on the lineup graphics. But we found out after the fact through Josh that he actually never made the uh, the bench to begin with. So I think that maybe does explain it to some extent that Ryan Losty, who is a versatile player, could have slotted into that defence, wasn't actually available. Not 100% sure on the reasons for that, but that is what I what I understood. But despite that, despite that, uh, Bentley, it's worth mentioning, also had some defensive shortages of their own. Ben Carrigan remaining out with injury meant that, as we said before, George Lambadoridis slotted in to the back four alongside Jack Webster. But despite those sort of absentees and the more sort of curious lineup selections for Oakley, eventually, Oscar, they were the side who took the lead. Was it a lead that at the time you, you feel they were, were good value for? I would probably say so. I thought that they were slightly the better team in the first half, although it was quite an even contest. There were periods where, where both teams were on top. Just just on the lineup choices that, that, that Oakley made in particular, and I think it's Chris Taylor remaining true to form and in the uh, faith that he shows in that core group of players. And, I mean, I was going to add another one that we've seen play in that fullback position was Anthony Pantazopoulos, who, who did that against the Knights just a, a couple of weeks ago as well and did a really serviceable job there. So it's... It's kind of the strength and the weakness of Oakley Cannons, I would say, in, in in the way that they that that core group is so strong and is so good. And we've seen, of course, Wade Decker play at fullback recently as well. So we've seen lots of rotation and different people occupying those spots. And it was ultimately what came back to I think by Oakley. But to to refer to your back to your question, Lockie, yeah, it was it was a weird first half. I thought I thought it, but both neither side were dominant at any stage really. But both sides had spells where they were slightly in the ascendancy. Mm. Uh, I think it's it seesawed. Even once yeah. we opened the scoring, it kind of seesawed throughout. I I, I feel like yeah, for, for for sure. And and you know, for for Oakley to come out bright and at the start of that that second half to really that that they I, I guess caught Bentley not quite back up to speed yet with, with the game, which we've seen Oakley do before, and we know 
is something that they're capable of when you have the likes of, you know, Joe Guest and, and Joe Knowles, Knowles available and that quality really shone through. Mm. Well, uh, Oakley, obviously, right before the halftime break in that seesawing opening 45, did have a, a good chance to go ahead right before the whistle through Joe, Joe Knowles. But uh, not long after, as, as Oscar was saying, after they came back out, it was uh, Joe Guest, the other Joe, yes. uh, who was able to supply a pretty tidy finish, Nick, uh, after that cross oh, beautiful came past the uh, the Bentley back four at the back post. You really nailed it. <clears throat> I think it was technically perfect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, how many times do you see people just absolutely blaze those over the bar, just connect awfully and the ball just goes flying over, Reference you know, they keep their the body up. Half time. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was a, a really, really good finish. Uh, great. You know, you, you thought at that point, at least, that Oakley could potentially go on and just see out this result. But if there's one thing we do know about uh, Oakley Lockie is that, uh, and I, I hate to say it, but it is a bit of a, um, a bit of, I wouldn't even say it's an urban myth anymore. It's a bit of a, uh, a term that, that floats around in no. NPR Victoria circles about like it's, yeah, a little bit like, you know, how in the AFL you got the Collie Wobbles. Sorry, Trying to get the X-Files music up again. But you've got the – okay, so you've got Oakley. Think about a word that you can put in – a bit of a prefix that you can add, two letters. Just say it, Nick. I feel bad saying it, but <laughs> everyone kind of knows it already, don't they? It's just, you know, Chokely. And I feel bad <laughs> saying my it. Name. You know, yeah, like the, you went it, there, it, it has happened. So, I mean – it is disappointing that in the end they weren't able to kick on and, and see mm. out the results. It looked like at least until that point when Strickland equalised, they were just going to go on and win this game. But as we've learned with Oakley is that um, I wouldn't say it's in the DNA, Lockie, but it has become a bit unsurprising when this happens. And I, I don't, I'm curious to, to know, is this like maybe a thing? Like just when one goes in, then all of a sudden there's a sense that the belief drops off. I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious to see, mm. I guess, what actually goes on the psyche of the Oakley players because, you know, it does happen. We've seen it with teams all over the world in big games that maybe they just fade off when the pressure starts to to hit them a little bit. Who, they, they could see that first goal. Who, who's an a, a Italian player we can get from the NPL Victoria to do a Giorgio Chiellini-style, like, it is the history of the Tottenham, but, like, it is the history of the Oakley. <laughs> can we get <laughs> Ivan Dadamo to do that? <laughs> Alessandro really sure. Dalmiglio from Eastern... Well, he's not going to be an NPL Victoria. Yeah, well, I mean, NPL Victoria anyway, anyway we, year, will, but... we will finish uh, di- dissecting <laughs> the rest of the Doherty Cup yeah. final in, in good time. But for, for the moment, we should get on to one of the men who was part of the actual doing of that successful Doherty Cup final for the Bentley Greens. Uh, a surprise warrior in defence, yeah. but a warrior in defence nonetheless on the day. Uh, George Lambatarides joins us now from the Bentley Greens. Uh, George, congratulations, first of all. Uh, how are you feeling after what was uh, a pretty a pretty impressive uh, come-from-behind victory in the Doherty Cup final? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, no, it was an incredible game to be a part of. Um, obviously coming from behind uh, and being one nil down, it was a game that was really end to end in terms of, uh, you know, different teams attacking at, at different stages of the game. But yeah, it was, uh, it was great to come up with the result and it was good to get sort of, uh, I guess our first bit of silverware for the year as well, which is really good for the group leading into Wednesday, obviously tomorrow night and, and the rest of the league. George, when you were at, when Tom equalised, was there just a sense of confidence that went through you guys that all right, like we can go on and win this game at this point? Did you ever feel like 
you know, like, did you feel like that something changed that sort of the momentum started to swing in your mm. favour a little bit? There was a bit of an extra pep in your step and you noticed that in that last 10 minutes because from that point on before that, it looked like Oakley were going to go on and, you know, close out the result, but you guys just kicked on in those last 10 minutes and almost found another gear. Yeah, well, we've got an incredible spirit uh, in the group and it was fun. It's funny, as funny as it sounds, I was actually in the middle of the game um, I was actually joking with the referee. I went up for a corner. I said to him, I think it was about 10 minutes to go. And I said, mate, I think I go, we're going to win this game before the 90 minutes. And he was laughing at me. And <laughs> I, yeah, I think there was, there was, there was that bit of belief because I think the more we settled um, and we got the ball down and played, um, you know, you could sort of sense that um, things were starting to open up for us. Mm. So yeah, there was, there was that, that bit of confidence, I think running through the team in terms of, you know, the result would come. And I was fairly confident, even if we went into extra time, um, you know, getting another 30 minutes that we would be able to close it out. But yeah, again, credit to Oakley. I mean, in the transition and, you know, when they're counter-attacking, they're, they're very dangerous, especially that front three or four players. So, you know, they do punish you when you make a mistake. So it was always sort of a bit of on, on edge, but overall I just felt that, uh, you know, there was a bit of, um, I guess, calmness about the situation as well. So just following up on Nick's question, so what, what was Tom's goal the thing that sparked that? Or are you saying that, that even before Tom Strickland scored, you were confident that you would get back into that game, whether it took extra time or not? Yeah, I think oh, obviously the goal makes a massive difference. It was really about you know breaking the deadlock. Um, mm. But yeah, I felt, especially after that goal, I just, yeah, I, I really did feel that um, we would go on with it. Um, so yeah, obviously getting that initial goal was good. And, and I think, you know, obviously everyone that played made a real impact as well. I mean, you look at our bench and he came on and changed the game as well. So I think that was a, that was a massive part of the game as well. Well, I mean, you, you brought it up, George. So I, I was going to go somewhere else, but you've taken me to the bench. So it's, it's the natural place to head. Um, you talk about the contribution that those players off the pine made and, and none more so than, than Jagub Mustafa. I mean, uh, to put it in context, and you would be aware of this, but for those uh, watching the show, who maybe weren't, you know, he's had quite a, a you know, a lengthy injury layoff. I think it's a, a hamstring or something soft tissue that's kept him on the sidelines. This was like his yeah. first reintroduction, and he comes off the bench absolutely electric, and he gets the the winning goal. I mean, what a contribution it was from from Yago in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's he's got that X factor in his game. Uh, he's definitely one of the players that can change a game for us. And look, it's not just Yag, to be honest. We've got the depth that we've got in, especially in those, you know, in those positions uh, across the board, I think we've got those, those type of players, but yeah, no, he was excellent. Obviously when he came on, he really did change the game for us. He, he really got in between the lines um, in their midfield and really drove us forward. Um, so yeah, no, he was, he was brilliant when he came on and look, Yags are still developing to be honest. Uh, you know, he's, he's had his injuries as well this year. Um, and when he's played, he's, he's scored a lot of goals for us, but I, you know, seeing him around the place as well. I know that he can also take his game to a, another level too, mm. um, probably with, with more consistency as he plays. Mm. Well, look, everyone, as you said, sort of chipped in and did their part in different ways. Uh, Jag Wispier able to provide that impact off the bench. You played your part in, a, in an altogether different way than perhaps many people would have been expecting you to, obviously slotting into that central defence alongside Jackie Webster, you know, no Ben Carrigan. Someone's got to do it. You were the player to, to step up, and I think I speak on behalf of this entire panel in saying that you did an excellent job uh, in that position. I'm curious to know, how, how soon did you know in the in the week leading up to, to the Doherty that this was 
maybe a position that, that Tolsey was going to place you in. And how did you find it during the game? Because it looked, at least from the outside perspective, that you found it very comfortable. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Now, look, the centre-back position, oh, it is relatively new for me. I have played there a little bit in the past. Um, before the game, I only found out about it just before the last session because um, Benny's been a little bit up and down with, mm. with injuries. Um, but, look, for me, it's... it's uh, yeah, it is a bit of a shift coming from the midfield, but at the same time, like in terms of my role in the midfield, you know, I generally feel you know pretty comfortable on the ball. So playing out of the back, which is the way that we play, um, and you look, you know, I've got someone like Jack Webster next to me as well. He's obviously extremely experienced, um, but you know, look, it's it's the culture of the team. Like in terms of we, you know, we want to play out from the back, so that suits me as a midfielder mm. slotting into those positions. It actually can be a bit of a strength sometimes. Um, but yeah, obviously having to deal with you know centre forwards and you know Clark on the weekend who was you know really dangerous. Um, sometimes my height probably helps out a little bit with that with that as well, being able to you know get up for a header and things like that. But um, yeah, it is a shift. Um, it's not my preferred position, but you know I'm, I feel comfortable when I need to jump into into that position. And I think hopefully uh, the boys and obviously Nick's you know confident if he needs to put me into that position, I can I can do a job for the team. George, how are you finding this stretch of games at the moment? I mean, you've got two games coming up in the space of, what, three days or something like that this week. And obviously, prior to this, you had, you know, Doherty Cup fixtures, rescheduled fixtures, Australia Cup fixtures as well. How are you finding, I guess, you know, the ramp up of fixtures this time of the year where you've got finals to focus on, you had a cup final to focus on, you've got Sydney FC to focus on tomorrow as well. It's it's daunting. I'm, t- I'm it's, tired yeah, just yeah, hearing yeah, the it's, list. It's, honestly, it sounds exhausting. How are you and the guys sort of working around that? But also personally, how are you finding it? Yeah, well, we we joke about it in the change room. We say we're full time professional footballers now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, we've uh, to be honest, it, it has been like that, and and we've had to make you know each player sort of individually. I think to get through a lot of this, it's obviously we're you know we're semi professional. We don't train five six times a week, but. Um, you've had to go a little bit above and beyond, you know, in terms of your recovery, um, in terms of, you know, I know me personally, I have to, you know, do a little bit extra in the gym sometimes as well to just make sure that your body's ticking over um, because it is a lot of games and obviously we're balancing working as well because we're not full-time. So, you know, I don't envy some of the boys that, you know, do trades and things like that where yeah. I can imagine what that would be like on their bodies. But, um, yeah, it's 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 been around the clock uh, in terms of, managing these games and we're getting constant changes to the scheduling as well uh with the fixtures but you know you couldn't ask for anything better i mean we're in every single competition it's exciting and i think sometimes the momentum of playing a lot of games in a row when things are going well can actually you know really work in your favor and you know hopefully that's something that we can use to our advantage tomorrow night against sydney because we've had so many games as well and they're obviously coming into their or starting off in their pre-season so yeah hopefully we could put it and you mentioned the fact about full-time footballers and obviously you've been in the system before at Brisbane you know what it's like to be I guess you know playing in that full-time professional environment compared to maybe some of the others who have just played in the NPL system in the state league system before have you and maybe some of those guys who have played at that level tried to drive that like in terms of you know setting that standard of okay we need to go above and beyond here it's not the stuff that you do when you just come into training and on game day but doing that extra stuff for recovery and whatever else you need to do yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's come from the top. I mean, in terms of even our, you know, our strength and conditioning coach, um, it's it's a bit of the, it's the culture of our club. You know, as much as we are sort of semi-professional, I mean, 
Bentley's traditionally been a club that's been successful in all of these competitions, and that means having a heavy schedule at this time of the year. So I think it's the culture. I mean, we all so, we all want to be successful, so we're willing to make that sacrifice because you only get you know months like this. They don't come about mm. every you know very often, and that's something that you know, I've reflected on as well and say, well, okay, regardless of the level you played at, you know, this month is huge in terms of Doherty Cup. Australia Cup, you never know what could happen tomorrow night. And then um, obviously we're still fighting in the league as well. So it doesn't come around every, you know, very often. So you don't want to have any regret. And that's why, you know, doing these extra one percenters um, hopefully comes out in the wash and gives you the best possible chance of, of being able to achieve something. So, yeah, I think a lot of the boys have taken on that that approach. And we, we, we spoke about the substitutions for the Doherty Cup final in and of itself, but in managing this workload, I guess, how much confidence does it give you having the squad depth that Bentley have? I mean, we saw someone like Jack Painter-Andrews go off injured on the weekend, and then you can bring on Mitch Hoare, and you've got Yagub Mustafa there on the bench. You've got Kaidachi. You've got all these players who have playing experience and you've we've seen throughout the season. Is that something that gives, I guess, you as an individual and as a team confidence that there are players who can fill gaps if needed? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I've, I've said this before, I think the club really nailed down the recruitment side of it this year in terms of the balance that we've got. I mean, I look at, you know, again, you mentioned a few players, but I even look at myself as predominantly as a midfielder and I look at, you know, players around me and, you know, we're all a little bit different. We bring something different to the table. You know, everyone's got different qualities um, and having that level of depth is is crucial, especially this time of the year, because it's not just about tactics and it's not just about you know he's better on the day it's it's a little bit about you know he's the last one standing because yeah. um, injuries is playing a huge role and we've had actually look we've had our challenges with that as well throughout the year and you just it's frightening to think that if you didn't have that depth where, where would you be um because we've had to still deal with that and manage that and um yeah getting the recruitment right not only obviously the right players the right mentality good characters for the changing room um but also different qualities that they can bring on the pitch is something that I think we've got. You know, there's different dynamics to our game, different players that we can play at any one point. Yeah, it's it's not just the the depth of numbers, is it? It's the versatility of those numbers too because you've got a lot of those players in your forward line who can operate really anywhere across the front three. Someone like yourself who can do a job in central defence if needed. And then a Corey Sewell type as well who really can go across the back four and do a brilliant job in in defensive midfield as well. Those kind of players who can who can slot in and cover those gaps if need be must be uh, essential as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think, you know, good obviously from the coaching side of things that everyone understands each other's roles and the way we want to we want to play. So, you know, you've got the ability to slot into someone's position if it's ever required. But yeah, like I said, I think the balance of the squad and people with having the right attributes, not necessarily being rigid to that position is uh is really important because we can we can change it up at any one time and you know people are comfortable we've got you know like you said we've got players that can play in a number 10 position and then they could be literally on the wing and they can still do a, a great job for us so yeah it comes down to obviously their the individual attributes and the way we want to play well irrespective of those shifting permutations in terms of the actual 11 the one thing that is consistent is the manner in which you guys play under Nick Tolios and also in recent times your your success uh, and your history of causing upsets in the Australia Cup. Obviously, we've seen you guys stun a few A-League teams at the, the Fortress Kingston Heath over the years. Uh, obviously, Sydney, in some respects, are a, a different kettle of fish, uh, you know, massively successful A-League men's history. But 
coming off a, a disappointing season. They scraped through against Central Coast Mariners on penalties. How are you feeling uh, ahead of that game? Are you, are you hopeful that maybe the Bentley Greens can cause another famous cup set? Yeah, well, there's no question. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's not going to be a, a massive test. Um, there is a bit of quiet confidence, I think, and I, I've, I've sensed that from the group as well. Um, and obviously having that bit of success on the weekend is good leading into into this massive game. Um, but look, I've played in these type of games before. And one thing I'll say is it gives you, you know, stepping out there will give you an incredible amount of energy, um, especially around the place and, and given that we're playing at home. And uh, I feel like that, that kind of naturally makes you level up as well on the pitch. Like, obviously, you know, they've got quality, those players, because they're playing at a, at a higher level. But, you know, when you're in that environment, it forces you to take your game to another level as well. And to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of players, you know, even in our league that, you know, um, are in the right environment, given the right opportunity, um, you know, they can they can do a job even at that level. So, yeah, there's no question that obviously they're going to be they're going to be a level up. We're going to we're going to suffer for parts of that game. I think we have, we have to accept that, but we're not going to go in with a defensive mindset. Um, we're really approaching it in the sense of doing it on our terms, so we don't have any regret. Um, because, like I said, this opportunity doesn't come along all the time. And George, you got Port Melbourne after that as well. I mean, it doesn't the, the, these big games just keep rolling around, and you know, Port Melbourne being a team that's right in the mix for a top two finish and championship after that as well. I mean, I know that you don't want to look too far ahead, but you kind of have to at the same time. If that game obviously happening on the weekend, what are you expecting from Port Melbourne on uh, on Friday night? Yeah, well, Port's been. Uh... A bit of a, a bit of a dark horse, to be honest, in the league. Um, I find with Port, like yeah, individually, like obviously they have quality as well. But I, I feel really, as a collectively as a team, um, how well organised they are. That's what you know everyone's been saying all year. Um, the way they organise their press when they're you know they're closing you down, the way they sort of work as a, as a unit. Um, that's why I think they've been successful, and that's where they, they are where they are on the ladder at the moment. Um, but for us, it's going to be a huge game as well because we obviously need to get a result to solidify ourselves in the six. Um, and I think, yeah, look, the perspective I've got um, is, you know, once once we are in that position, then it will come down to obviously finals and we can't control the outcome. We don't know where we're going to end up. But, you know, I think once we get ourselves in that position that, you know, we tend to manage finals well. So I'm feeling confident, you know, whoever we can match up against, we you know, we, we can beat anyone on our day. So I'm, I'm not too you know, looking that far ahead, but, you know, we're confident about it. But Port will be a, definitely a massive a massive test for us. And thankfully we're playing at home because we, we do quite well when we're <laughs> at our ground. I am also curious, George, what's Nick Tolios's messaging been throughout this period, obviously with so many big games in succession, kind of what's what have been the core themes that he's been driving home with, with the playing squad in, in approaching so many substantial kind of occasions in such a short period of time? Um. Look, he's not at this time of the year. He's not reinventing how we play. Like we've done a lot of that work throughout the year and in our preseason. So it's it's more about, to be honest, the the message he always gives us. He goes, "You guys are your own worst enemy." He goes, "You can beat anyone on your day," and it, it comes down to you know when you guys stick to the principles of how we play and you execute it properly. You know, we tend to be successful. So I think what he's sort of trying to drum home to us is the importance of you know our mentality. Um, between the years, especially at this time of the year, um, because if we're approaching games correctly, you know, and ho- hopefully, then you know a lot of quality can do the talking on the pitch. So he's, you know, he's putting a lot of emphasis on that, 
um, and making sure that, you know, we're in the right headspace, I would say, you know, leading into a, a lot of these games. And, and to be honest, he's telling us to just enjoy it because, you know, like I've said and repeated, I think five times in this interview, you don't get all this, you don't get that type of opportunity um, very often. So it's, it's just about seizing it and enjoying it as well at the end of the day. The, the other thing, George, I'm really curious to know about Nick Tolios because he hasn't even completed a full season as Bentley Green's manager, and yet he's won the NPL Victoria title and he's won the Doherty Cup. Uh, where does he keep the lucky charms at Kingston Heath and has he shared any of those with the squad? It's it's ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, I know. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a. I mean, we part at the end of the, celebrating that first championship with him when he took over. It, yeah, it gave the feeling like he was there because he's he's a very likable character, and mm. yeah, look, the group really respect him. Um, but yeah, he's definitely been a lucky charm with us so far, and yeah, we're still in every competition, so something's working. <laughs> so yeah. Well, George, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Good luck for tomorrow night. Hopefully a bit more cup magic. Hopefully, you know, a big win for Bentley as well. I'll be cheering you guys on and, you know, maybe a potential run all the way. So, you know, it's in the DNA of Bentley. So who knows how, you got, how far you guys can go. And also good luck for the, the rest of the NPL season as well. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. George Lambatteridis from Bentley Greens joining us here. Obviously, it's been a big week for them, and it's only going to get bigger tomorrow night. So much on the line against Sydney FC, but really, it's a free hit in a sense. You know, I mean, there's no expectation for Bentley to win tomorrow night, but again, at home, big crowd, hopefully down there at Kingston Heath, it's going to be a huge, huge game. It should be an absolute ripper. And I, like, what's the opposite of what are the things that are generally considered to be unlucky in life? Stepping on a crack, walking a under, a, walking under a bridge. Uh, yeah. No, not a bridge. A ladder. <laughs> <laughs> under a bridge, a very normal everyday Jeez, thing. Imagine how uh, many people walking under a bike. walking under a ladder. Yeah, walking what's under the, a ladder. Black what's the cat. opposite of those things? Uh, walking under a bridge. <laughs> no, that's not lucky at all. That's just a normal thing. Seeing a was it idiot three three leaf clover is it. Four. Four-leaf clover, sorry. Four-leaf. <laughs> Three-leaf clover. I can show you doesn't. Yeah. Four-leaf, uh, a four-leaf clover. Okay. Well, Nick, talk, yeah. whatever the lucky things are that you do, what's the opposite? Is there a horseshoe one? Rabbit's foot. That's rabbit's the lucky foot, thing. Yeah. Nick Tolios must have, like, uh, rabbit's foot. Like, it? all chip? the lucky things. Remember the get... wish chip back yeah. in the day? Like he must have. A wish chip, you don't touch it with your thumb. He and must. Then... Oh, the, the, the yoke with the... The eggs with the two yolks in. Yeah. yeah. Nick Tolios must have experienced all of that. He must have like a whole like a whole carton of you know uh, of of two yolk eggs. Are we sure? Like Nick Tolios, the only reason I know that he isn't the leprechaun that guards the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is a he doesn't have he's too tall and he doesn't have the right color hair for it. But like I wouldn't be surprised. Like he is that he has got that luck level you- in. Well, okay. I actually think luck is maybe a bit disrespectful. No. But maybe maybe I'm being a bit too disrespectful by saying it's all luck because Nick Tolios has done an excellent job with his Bentley Green side. I think that's fair yeah. To do say do as well. you think he's got like a carton of like two yolk eggs and in every time just before the whole a big thing. game, he's just, before a big game, he just cracks open yeah, as a Friday bre- bre- for breakfast. Breakfast at Tolsey's house is the place to be because yeah. just every everyone, if you like your yolk. Mate, so there, you I, with feel the right for, I feel sorry for those who like their egg white omelets and not when they go to Tolsey's house because if he's yeah. got the double yolk. They're missing out on the good luck. But at the end of the day, I mean, Bentley Greens keep finding a way. They got the win on the weekend. I mean, there's so much on the line in this week as well, not only with the Australia Cup, but really with their finals hopes mm. because, guys, they're hanging on as well to a spot in the finals considering how yes. tight it's getting at the moment. We forget that loss against Altona feels like an eternity ago now, but that was their last game in the league. 
And going into that game against Port Melbourne, which we will talk about in just a sec, I mean, there's a lot on the line for both teams. It's going to be a cracking game on Friday night. Yeah, and that was their first, I think they were unbeaten in seven or eight games going into that fixture. So really they have had a remarkable run with the exception of that one blip against Altona. Shall we tail off our Doherty discussion as well? Just just quickly, I mean, let's just talk very about the comeback, really. That's yep. the important part. Because yep. as as George said, as you said earlier, Oscar, the game did go back and forth. And it just seemed like, kind of as, uh, as George was getting it, really, he had that feeling that once a team got the momentum and was able to seize control of the momentum, that was the team that would end up winning the game. And in the end, after Lucas Derrick scored what was a very fine goal, a really, really well-taken finish from the edge of the box, it just seemed like from that point onwards, Bentley did have control of the momentum in this game for the first it was kind of the first period in the match where it wasn't ebbing and flowing throughout it really was the first time where it looked as though the minute they got that equalizing goal Bentley looked more likely than not and eventually uh, after Yago Mustafa came on I think he was on for 13 minutes had 14 touches in that time and one of them the most telling of them all the the late winner I mean what an outstanding performance and, and what a brilliant comeback or turnaround from the Greens. I was say it was Tom Strickland's goal that, that, yes. that was the equalizer. Yes, Not sorry, Tom Strickland. But, <laughs> but, see, I think it's really interesting because, to be completely honest, when I was watching it, I didn't feel like Bentley were, were building or anything until the goal. Like, yes. I, I, of course, Oakley were gradually becoming more conservative and not taking as many risks, but that kind of natural ebb and flow of the game. But But... It, it, I, it, I didn't really see it coming until it happened, really. And then all of a sudden, Bentley were too Yeah, up. No, that's what I... Like, once yeah. they got that momentum yes. of the goal, like they, 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 they looked like no one else was winning that game except for them. I mean, I guess what you say, Oscar, really kind of raises an interesting point in the in the wash of this game. Nick, d- does, does Chris Taylor wear any of the blame for this result? Because you look at that game and think... They did Oakley slowly become sort of more and more, um, you know, defensive as the game wore on, as they grew more yeah, confident in their ability to, to see it out. Does he deserve some some criticism for, for that approach or do we have to put it in its um, historical context, you know, the, the, the amount of games that they played, you know, that sort of being the necessity to not just run these players into the ground? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes both ways. I think when you look at Oakley... You know, look, their defense is absolutely pillaged. Like, let's let, let, let's be real here, guys. Like, this defense is being held together by string at the moment, um, especially at center back right now. Aaron Williams is the only fit center back they've got. I mean, they're really hanging on defensively in that sense, especially against teams like Bentley, who are going to run you ragged going forward with the likes of Riak, mm. uh, Painter Andrews, Hoare, Mustafa, Drusus, whoever it is. Uh, they're going to run you ragged. And if you're going to go into your show in that sort of game, you're going to find yourselves potentially asking for it a little bit. So I do see a little bit of blame in the sense as well that he made only one change and it took until the 88th minute to make that change. And that's been a Chris Taylor criticism for going way back in terms of not making changes earlier. But at the same time as well, that 11 was working at that point. But you would have thought maybe bringing someone on like Chris Lucas maybe a little bit earlier. I think that's what really frustrated me, actually, is not the fact that it was a late sub, because we're sort of used to seeing that from yeah, CP. But like it does earlier. Happen. But it was the fact that that late sub was Chris Lucas. Like, the, 
this is Chris. Like I know that he has only played a bench role this season, had a difficult year at Altona, but like Chris Lucas is an absolute killer in front Absolutely. of goals. Like he has such a significant pedigree in this league in Queensland as well with his reputation of being a Johnny on the spot, like being someone who, if you need goals, if you need someone who will deliver for you reliably at an MPL level, like Chris Lucas is the guy. Chris Lucas was that guy for Bentley. He's one of the, you know, highest scorers, not just for Bentley, but also for, uh, for the Australia cup of all time. I think he's the equal top alongside Liam Boland and, uh, Patrick and tell me, I'm pretty sure Something from like that. Yeah, from, right. from Sydney, from Sydney United. So this guy has got is known nationally, not just within the state of Victoria for being a finisher. And Chris Taylor did not bring him on. I know the sub was prepared before the second goal came on, but he came on in the 89th minute. He had four minutes of stoppage time to make his contribution felt. And I know he's not going to be the kind of player who takes the game on his shoulders and and decides it in his favour. But I feel like surely you could have given him. 10, 15 minutes to really make a mark on Absolutely. this contest. I, I suppose that as much as it's true that I'd, when I say I didn't feel that Oakley were, were going to concede really up until really they did, that was the first time that Bentley mm. uh, overwhelmingly became the dominant team. Mm. I suppose you would argue, though, that that was foreseeable, that that would happen, and if it were to happen, it would happen in the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, and ultimately that's what Oakley were punished for. So... so uh, CT perhaps not uh, preempting what would be a likely uh, decline in his team's level of energy, and and I think that we saw the antithesis of that in in Bentley, who got stronger and stronger. And I think we talk about y- Yagub Mustafa, who was obviously so influential. Although I will also mention Mitch Hoare, who obviously came on at halftime, and he was brilliant uh, in the second half. He added so much energy and and, and fire to to Bentley and, and so much creativity, and that was particularly true in the in the final stages of the game. Lockie and Oscar, I've actually got some uh, breaking news that's come across my get my my desk right now. Now this is this isn't MPL Victoria related, but it's MPL related. Now, Mandura City in MPL uh, in MPL WA have just announced a signing for the last two games of the season. They've signed Lee Griffiths. This is this is former Scotland and Celtic forward Lee Griffiths. This is not just, you know, you know, just some I mean, Lee Griffiths has had a lot of problems recently, and we know it's very well documented, but Lee Griffiths is playing in NPLWA for the final two games of the season. Well, he's not playing in it. He's playing in NPLW, uh, sorry, not NPLW, uh, Western Australia State League One. He's not even playing he's in playing the, second division. Yeah. I, can I can I say, can I say because I, uh, the reason I wasn't communicating my what, oh my God, uh, into the microphone before was because uh, Mandurah City, something just twigged in my mind. I think I know, and I'm, I'm happy to, to reach out to the right people and try and confirm this, I think I know how this has happened. How? I think I know how this ha- has happened. Because I'm looking through the squad, the, ma- the name, Mandurah City, yep. it just sounded familiar. And there is an M- there is, I'm glad you brought it up, Nick, because there is an MPL Victoria link here. I was thinking, I've heard that name before. There's some sort of connection. There's something there. And sure enough, I go and look at the squad for Mandurah City in State League One, and one of their players, one of their star players, their captain, in fact, is none other than former Langwarren player 
Mid-season signing in 2019, <laughs> the Scottish sensation, the flying Scotsman, John Baird, who had wow. a big career uh, playing in the lower leagues of Scotland, but he's from Glasgow. Mm. So I just wonder, he's a very well-connected man. He's played in the top flight of Scotland before for a, a host of, you know, high profile, not the absolute cream of the crop in Scotland, but, you know, clubs who have sort of decent level NRI. I mean, he's played for, for Dundee, St. Moran. For, for St. Dundee, Mirren, for St. Mirren, for, Ka- for Cali Thistle, you know, teams that the average, you know, in the weeds kind of football punter would know. I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah. has uh, gone some way to brokering this deal. So there you go, Nick. Good thing you brought it up because... As we learn in this show very often, there's always a connection well, John to NPL Victoria. The coach. John yes, he's the, the coach, coach as well. Yeah, yes, so you, you are right. Like play a coach. Yeah. That is unbelievable because I remember <laughs> there was some rumblings that Lee Griffiths was looking at a move to Australia. To well, I won't lie. When I looked at your screen and I saw that transfer pop up on your thing, I thought it said MacArthur. Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was MacArthur mm. as well. But Now, again, I'm not like going to make any comments well, hey, on the actual... Well, he's playing two games here. I mean... Maybe it could yeah. be the prep, but yeah. I, I'm not going to make any comment on no. uh, on Lee Griffiths other than I think I know how the signing might I have come to pass. also have some news, obviously, if you're watching live or listening to the podcast. Uh, Western United play Bulleen in a friendly tonight, guys, obviously down at City Vista. Mm. Now, some big news. If I am correct in assuming this, it yeah. looks like Dylan Manane is starting for Western United as a trialist at left back. So obviously playing for Melbourne Knights. Rylist. Well, yep. is that is that a good uh, chance potentially for us to segue into the catch-up games from this Yeah, weekend? absolutely. But just having a look, obviously there's a lot of NPL flavour in this team. A lot of players who have played at NPL level this season in terms of uh, Noah Holmes and Loughton as well and Kador. Uh, all getting minutes, all getting an opportunity at this point of the, obviously this point of preseason for Western United after what's been a so far, it's been a solid campaign for Western United's uh, academy side who are in fourth in MPL three and really pushing towards a potential playoff at least. Uh, obviously, they play North Sunshine this weekend, but they're looking to get promotion to MPL two through the playoffs, along with you know Melbourne City who are already promoted or Melbourne Victory as well who are third. So. Something to keep an eye on Preston, tonight. Yes. Yep. Well, yeah. I'm talking about the the NPL yes, sides. No, I wasn't I, just, I wasn't alluding to Preston, but yeah. yes, Preston as well. So yeah, good good to see that a few of these players will get an opportunity um, in the senior teams. So yeah. a bit curious to see how that one all works out. So well, curious about to, Dylan Manane as well. And and question maybe to the three of you because we have fielded this three of us. <laughs> That's myself inclu- myself <laughs> so you're gonna ask yourself. Uh, so you haven't seen that Invisible Man who's sitting to our right. Um, Question to the to the group to the the trio, um, of which I am a part. Yeah, we have fielded this question from people before in this podcast about who the likely players from the academy teams, particularly Victory and City, um, might be featuring in the A League men's this season. Is there anyone from Western? Because I don't really think when we answer that question, we really touched on them. Is there anyone who stands out? Because Noah Holmes is someone who I think yeah. has had. A solid yeah. NPL three campaign. We saw him make the bench. Uh, him on, and Loughton on, on yeah, Wednesday. We saw yeah. him and and Lawton make the bench uh, in the Australia Cup game. Anyone else you want to throw into the mix, guys? Well, does Reese Bosanovsky still count? No, nah, I don't think. He's, really. I think he's progressed. No, nah, well, I mean, the other one is Jake Nidovsky, of course. Yeah, he's signed his, injured at the moment, signed unfortunately. Signed his scholarship deal, so he's yeah. one to certainly keep an eye on. Yeah, he'd, prob- he'd probably be the yeah, premier, I think, but I, I think, think if you so, were going think, for someone think, other think than him. Two. Other than that, maybe uh, our boy, uh, Yanni Panakos. Yeah, that was uh, Yanisius Jr., yep. as his Instagram handle is. 
Uh, Del Mariani, I'm going to keep bringing that up as long as that is your handle. Uh, certainly because of his recent goal-scoring form, mm. he's certainly someone to keep an eye on. But Oscar, I'm actually curious. I mean, Melbourne victory. Um, anyone else that you can expect maybe making that jump? We saw uh, Franco Lino get mm. called up to the, the Young Socceroos uh, camp. Is there anyone else you can see maybe, you know, getting an opportunity, whether it's in these preseason friendlies or maybe, you know, later in this season? Obviously, they're out of the Australia Cup now, but someone who might be able to make that jump? Yeah, I mean, uh, Franco is an excellent example of someone who's really grown throughout the season at, in the Melbourne Victory Academy side. I think uh, we've seen a lot of Adem Gerardovic, who I think, I've, I said last time, fits the Melbourne Victory mould. Mm. So that's, I, I'm, I'm somewhat repeating myself to, to bring up that kind of, to, well, to bring up that, that player again, I think there were some really interesting um, mid-season signings by Melbourne Victory who have since featured in, in the Victory Academy side, namely Eli Adams and uh, the goalkeeper, Ataleb. So some, yeah. so some players who we've seen in and around the Australian football circles who I think, sh- should they be given more opportunities in the MPL side, it would be really interesting to observe their growth because I've got big raps on both of those players. Yeah. Well, we may well get to see a couple of those in action tomorrow, tomorrow night, night yeah. because they, they have a, uh, a friendly against yes. Standing Thunder at George Andrews. Reserve. We could maybe break a little bit of news as well. What's the news, Lockie? Well, I think if you're uh, if you may be looking, if you can't attend that game at George Andrews Reserve tomorrow night, uh, great opportunity to split screen. And you're currently watching on the uh, the FNR live stream, or you're following the FNR channels to get this podcast. You might not have to look very far for a potential live stream of that uh, game. Yes. That's all I'm going to say for the, now. But uh, keep your eyes peeled. The other name, all the other name that I want to just bring up in terms of call ups to the young Socceroos. Uh, squad is none other than Alex Menelau, uh, mm. who got the call up. Obviously, has been in some good form as well. As of late, played against Manchester United, so he's another one. One of the the two. <laughs> now, what are you doing? You're messing with the cable. I can't hear because you oh, keep sorry. playing with the cable. It's, it's a habit of mine to play with the cable. Uh, Alex Menelau and Franco Lino, obviously the two from Melbourne Victory. And you know, I mean, Melbourne City have basically had half their squad picked for this young yeah. Socceroos camp. I just want to have. I just thought of one more victory player that I've been really impressed by this season is, is Paddy Hogan, Patrick Hogan, yes. who was injured, has been injured a lot over the last couple of years, and has just in the second half of the MPL three season featured a bit more yeah. regularly. And he's really impressive. He's versatile. He's played fullback. He's played on the wing. He's a really great player. Mm. So I just watch out for well, him. It's, it's uh, as good a chance as any because you yeah. you mentioned the the players who have been called up to that talent ID yeah. camp, which is currently going on. At the AIS over the next few days. I also think that there's going to be a friendly match, and Nick, you can maybe confirm this for me as you're looking over the press release, uh, a friendly match that's going to be available. I think it's a Wednesday where this yes. talent ID camp for the the young Socceroos. 3 p.m. Wednesday afternoon on yes, the MyFootball My app. Yeah. So if you want to watch some of these players involved, you can do that on the MyFootball app. But the reason yeah. we bring it up is because we've had two players selected from the top flight, a couple yep. selected from the academy sides, as we mentioned, but two from the top flight, uh, one of whom, Anthony Pantazopoulos, the other from the Melbourne Knights is uh, is Luca College. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And obviously, as mentioned as well, to go with them, you've got a, a whole heap of, we mentioned the Melbourne Victory and Western United it's players. 11 I mean, players who yeah, draw well, their Reece, roots back to Victoria. Um, yeah, well, Reese Bosanovsky is obviously the one from Western United, but looking from Melbourne City, I mean, they've got so many that have been picked Emin up. Emin um, I mean, uh, Rafael Borges-Rodriguez, Max Caputo, Emin Djurakovic, 
Uh, just scrolling through here, they've got James Neuvenhosen as well, the goalkeeper, yep. and Justin Palili as well. So they've got a real. There's a real Melbourne flavour to this, and I know mm. we're a, we're a Victorian based podcast, but it is good to see there's uh, some of these guys getting um, rewarded for what they've put together throughout this season, whether it's been an NPL level for the likes of Luca College and Anthony Pantasopoulos or MPL three level as well with their work in the youth sides. And some of these guys playing at senior level in the A-League, you know, Reese Bosanovsky, mm. namely in particular, has really put together yeah. a solid run as of late. And, you know, he's earned his spot in the Western United squad. I mean, he was getting minutes in the finals. He started on Wednesday as well in midfield. And I think we're going to see a lot more of him this season. Yeah. And look, shout out to the, the GV Suns footy factory as well, because yeah. I think they've got two players who are former GV Suns juniors, James Neuenheisen being one of them. Uh, which means if he eventually does, which hopefully he does, get selected for the uh, for the eventual young Socceroos, that will have two former GV Suns junior products uh, mm. playing at different levels of the national teams. And maybe when Garangsky finally, or Alu, I'm not sure which qual will be picked for the Socceroos first, uh, we might have a GV Suns Academy member right. at every level. I, I really don't think they get enough credit no. for that. No, absolutely. But anyway... Um, we should get into the catch-up games yes. because we've sort of knocked yes. on the door a couple of times. Luca College being selected for the yep. ID camp, playing for the Melbourne Knights. Dylan Manane trialling for Western United, also playing for the Melbourne Knights. Knights. And they got quite a shock result on Friday night as they went back home, Knight Stadium, uh, finally played their round 21 catch-up against Green Gully Soccer Club and ran out 2-0 winners. Yeah, absolutely. Lucky. well, I mean, you were there. I was there. I mean, you know, goals from Dylan Manane and Gian Albano. We spoke about Dylan Manane. I mean, mm. nice little way to, uh, you know, put your, put your name up in lights before, you know, you go on trial at Western United and a good way for him to end this season. I mean, obviously made the move across from Newcastle after he was released, but now a good opportunity for him to get back in the A-League system. But, Lockie, from what you told me and you, you've said is that Green Gully looked quite tired in this game, looked quite gassed and... Uh, I mean, obviously, they get now nine days to prepare for the Australia Cup game this Sunday against Peninsula. But at this stage of the season, I mean, look, they're more than likely going to play finals. But their fourth place, you know, final, which would have come as a result of finishing fourth, that that Mm. home elimination final is now somewhat hanging a bit tediously heading into this weekend. Yeah, a, a missed opportunity for Gully in this game. They needed just... I mean, a win would have guaranteed their place in the finals. It would have made them odds-on to secure that top four spot, which I still think that they are because Bentley Green's below them have obviously also got Australia Cup commitments potentially to worry about too. Um, Heidelberg as well have not got that, but they're playing some really... They've got a tough game against Avenel and need to win that one first. It's worth mentioning that Gully did go into this game uh, with some absentees, or rather an absentee, a very big one. Uh, James Doyle was an out for this game. He got quite a nasty head knock uh, in the game against Heidelberg, and I didn't realise this until I spoke to him at Knight Stadium, but he was actually knocked out cold oh, wow. on the pitch. Um, and I feel quite bad because while I was talking to James Doyle, I also uh, remembered that he got a really nasty knock to the face in another game that I did against uh, South Melbourne in Ballarat. He split his lip open quite violently. You might have seen the the photos of it on Twitter. It was very, very nasty stuff. So in the games that I've done where James Doyle has played, he has violently split his lip and he's been knocked out cold. So I actually had to apologize. I was like, I'm sorry, James. (laughs) I'm really sorry. 
Uh, but I think they really, really missed him in this game. And I do think, as impressed as I was by the Knights, I have to sort of temper my excitement and expectations of what they might be able to do from this game because I do feel like you've got a factor in the absence of James Doyle, but also I wonder if this was the game where finally, as we've seen for other sides who have had those Australia Cup commitments, if this was the time where that procession of game on game on game finally caught up with Gully because really they they looked second best for almost the entirety of this fixture. Yes, I guess the counter-argument is, well, they got the result against Heidelberg, but let's not forget Heidelberg played in the Australia Cup too. They also played against an A-League side. And to run an A-League side close or be competitive with them in the way they did, you have to work really, really hard off the ball, especially against a team who are going to dominate possession like Brisbane. That takes a lot out of you. And it wasn't surprising to see that Heidelberg were maybe worse for wear after that game. But finally the same fate has been um, wrought upon Gully. Um, yeah, they just didn't really ever look in this contest, to be honest, like they were going to to mount a challenge for, for the win. I mean, even before Knights eventually opened the scoring, they had the ball off the post twice from George Ott before they eventually opened the scoring. So they were a mile off, and I think that's understandable. Um, it doesn't hurt them or anything, but they almost would have been better just forfeiting the game and having a day off. I think I understand what you're saying and I hear and I think there's lots of reason and truth to what you're saying. I think it is also worth acknowledging that since Melbourne Knights have sacked their coach and since Ben Surrey has come in, uh, we've seen a, a, a more, I think, a fluent, well, not not fluent, but just a, a, a freer Melbourne Knights side mm. player. I, I've liked seeing their last couple of games and they, they look like a team kind of with the shackles kind of released. Uh, That's true. I think... I mean, even the even the Oakley game, they were... Exactly. They, it, they were on the scoreline being com- comprehensively, but they had good chances to, night, to take the lead won. in that game as well. They, yeah. they more than matched with Oakley, who, of course, are another side who are dealing with intense fixture, fixture congestion. So perhaps a bit of fortune in the teams that Melbourne Knights are coming up, with, coming up against at the moment. But nonetheless, they, they, they do... You know, in that way that, that that I think you get when it, when you get a new manager, most of the time just look mm. refreshed and more, I think, energised and, and willing to play almost more expansively and more, more excitedly. Yeah, and look, Dylan Monane obviously got on the score sheet. He was impressive again in this game. I've got to say, since his introduction into the NPL Victoria, I've been really impressed by... I mean, his defensive game I haven't noted so much as his attacking prowess I would describe him as a explosive really the way he's able to get forward so effortlessly and find the the back of the net this one a header but his second consecutive goal at night stadium um, I've, I've really liked what I've seen from him going forwards I can understand why particularly as he's a player that's been through the system previously why Western United are giving him the the scope for a trial but I think as well, if you look at the actual Knights squad on yeah. paper, yes, there is maybe a lack of depth uh, with Lucas Selich, we believe, having departed or suffering an injury. There's sort of a uh, a paucity of options to really fill in that 10 presence. I think the midfield is maybe a bit one-dimensional. But on actual paper, um, it's a really – it's actually quite a good squad. I mean – Jack Marth, I think, can maybe be a little bit inconsistent, a little bit brash. But Aiden Bryce has been brilliant, one of the unsung heroes, I think, of this season. 
Uh, Taylor Shrivers, for the most part, has been pretty solid since he's come in. Yep. I've liked what I've seen from mm. him so far. Dylan Manane is obviously a former A-League player. Luka Kolic, um, a bright talent all year who's worked into that starting fold, has been recognised for his abilities at a national level now. Uh, Anthony Dizel, a player who, again, may be a bit of inconsistency, but someone who I do think the ceiling is really high and can produce a lot. And then the front three. And I would throw in George Judd, absolutely, as you're yeah, about exactly. to get to George. Yeah, I think the mid-season recruits have been really good for, for yeah. Knights. It's that New Zealand pipeline has always been good for yeah. them, but I think they've they've yeah. hit both on the, the, on the heads. New Zealand footy over. factory. Yeah. I think it's just unfortunate for them that the, 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 these players have come in kind of at the stage of the season yeah. that they have when it's been a bit late to change yes. the trajectory. Yes, and, 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 and I do... If George Ott isn't scoring, and yes, there's a, a criticism of him to be made in the sense that he hit the post twice in this game, should have definitely had a goal. But his actual, what he's been able to bring to John Albano's game, I think, is also really important because they, we saw it for, for the second goal, their beautiful one two sequence that they had completely took the gully defense out of the equation before Albano supplied the finish. And even if your role as a striker, is as a facilitator, as someone who eases burden on other creative outlets, gives the attack a different dimension, gives the defence a different problem, then you're still a really valuable player. And George Ott alone can't fix the the kind of the more fundamental systemic problems at Melbourne Knights. But I Mm. think that his capacity to, you know, drop deep and uh, kind of connect the rest of the team with the attack is is an area where Knights yes. lacked throughout especially, the season. Especially, yeah, especially when you are missing maybe an out-and-out attacking yep. midfield press and someone who can drop shot. But, yeah, at the end of the day, while Gully went into this game hoping that a win would guarantee finals for them, yep. uh, somewhat funnily, even though they were never a team who were actually threatened by relegation, uh, uh, this win actually secured, guaranteed that Knights will be in the NPL for 2023, uh, National Second Division, of course, notwithstanding. But while it was a, a, a win that basically means that, you know, their final two games for the season are, you know, not, I don't want to use the phrase hit and giggle, but, you know, they, <laughs> they, they don't do anything, really. Um, they're a bit of it's a sort of inconsequential games. However, I do think the performance, even if it was against an, uh, a tired gully side, will give them hope for what might come in 2023 if they can retain the players who have been really solid in this back end of the season and and continue to close out the final two games of the year with some good performances. Because you'd be wanting in your last home game of the season against Altona this Friday uh, to be getting a win. Absolutely. And uh, as mentioned, well, if they win that game against... Well, if Altona just need... well. I mean, they're, they're technically safe, yeah. but, you know, like they need a well, point to make it, make it, make it 110%. You know, you never know. Dandy, Thun- Dandy City could win 8 0 twice, mm. and uh, Altona <laughs> could have some big. I mean, so, they uh, could they do could. that. <laughs> um, there's a chance. But, anyways, uh, yeah, of course, they're in action on Friday night. Green Gully. Don't go to Gully Reserve this Friday. If anyone's planning on going, don't go because there is no game there this well, Friday. Well, unless you're going to the bistro just for a meal. In Absolutely. Case, but don't go yeah, to watch yeah. the football. <laughs> yeah. They're playing Sunday against Peninsula Power. Strictly for in, non in, footballing yeah. reasons. They're going on Sunday. Support local football. They're going on it. Sunday. Support local bistros. <laughs> they're playing on Sunday away. And you can, if, you, if you're a Gully fan, you're not making the trip up to Queensland, you could tune on 10 play to watch that game against Peninsula Power, but they're playing their ca- their next game against Eastern Lions in the league the following Thursday on the 18th. So we can actually probably preview that next week. We can preview two Green Gully games uh, next yeah. week because well, you know, I mean, the season finale as well. The, ca- the, the case may also end up being similar as well with that Bentley 
Greens game too. Against we Port could, Melbourne. Well, George, seems a, to think as it, it was currently going stands, it, it's on Friday, but we may <laughs> see that. Have that moved. <laughs> we may well. I wouldn't be surprised to see that game shifted to, to a later date, even if it's midweek. Yeah. Even if it's midweek, even next, just Monday next week. Yeah, that yeah. that would that would probably be feasible. Um, should we talk about the other game? Yeah, because let's let's let let's go. Let let let's get through it. I reckon. Take I mean, I mean, end of the day, Take like this away, was Nick probably man. the game that everyone had penciled in, in their calendar right. a very long time ago. They they said, it you know what, it's the, the game of the round, the relegation. Six yeah, pointer. absolutely. I mean, Eastern Lions already down. They're looking just to just scrap a few points at the end of the season. Uh, create a bit of havoc, which they did to Hume about a week ago, and they ended up getting a point against St Albans away. Uh, it looked like St Albans were on their way to a victory when their captain Michael Gugic opened the scoring before Nathan Sim pulled one back. I'll tell you what, look, end of the day, it is a massive point for St. Albans, but they're not entirely safe just yet because their form as of late hasn't been great. I mean, it's one point. They haven't they had three losses in a row going into it. They're four points clear of Dandy City, but, geez, they're hanging on right now. And they, they might just stay up because Hume and Dandy City are a bit of a, a just two cars colliding at the moment in a car accident and St. Albans just might be the lucky ones to get away. Sorry, Oscar. Um, anyways. Too soon, Nick. Too soon. St. Albans, I mean, look. Do we want to contextualize they, that, no, that inside no, reference? I feel no, like we sh- no, should. No, I think it's fine. Okay. I think it's fine. Sorry, Oscar. I don't want to bring up any past anyway, traumas. Oscar is anyways, all good, just yes, so you know. Fine. If he As you can he see. Physically. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, his legs are underneath the table. Good thing yes, for the uh, viewing public. Shush. Podcast listeners, you're fine. Anyways, St. Albans are four points clear. They they host Oakley on Sunday, which is a big game for them because really it's one win and they're safe, yeah. but they're hanging on. They're hanging on for dear life. Eastern Lions, on the other hand, they're right now just going, you know what? Season's done. Let's just play spoiler. Let's try and just get as many points as we can. Points have been hard to come by. I still haven't cracked double digits this season. They're focusing on next year. Um, massive point for them. They're next in action, obviously, against Green Gully. So they get a 13-day break. Mm before their next game, then obviously Heidelberg in their last game as well. So they continue to play spoiler. Uh, well, they're playing spoiler for the relegation battling sides, but are they going to play spoiler for the sides battling finals? I guess it just remains to be seen. But a point gained for St. Albans, but I think they would have much rather having that, those extra two points in tow because they just would have been that much closer just securing their status because they're, they're hanging in there. I mean, I, I've I've had the privilege a few times this season of, of – being in commentary positions that are very close to uh, Kruni Rysov on the touchline. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about you guys, if you've, if you've had that same experience. Nope, not yet. But Kruni Rysov, very uh, emotive. Yeah. Not frequently emotive, but when he does see cause to display emotion, he, he you know, he doesn't do it in, in, in half measures. And I do really appreciate that half about measures, him. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to have had an inside look into his reaction uh, after the full-time whistle in the rooms because I reckon he would be absolutely steaming, Mm. steaming that this game ended one-all because St. Albans really never should have drawn this game against Eastern Lions. They created so many good chances uh, to uh, to attempt to you know potentially win the game outright, Eastern Lions undid them with a with a set piece maneuver to to get a late equaliser. But St Albans should have had this game over. They should have had it done. 
They didn't, and I think Kruny Razov would have blown a gasket uh, about the fact that they weren't able to do so. Because it really, even though it could have been worse, like they could have lost the game and really put themselves under the cosh, um, four points, two games, it's it's a little bit easier to manage. Yeah. But still, you're wanting to guarantee it, and that was a big yeah. a big flub, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lockie... Let's talk about the other catch-up games from the other divisions. Ah, yes. Because there's one well, in particular. Well, I mean, do we want Oscar's thoughts Oscar, on, uh, Oscar, on Oscar, 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 I saw <laughs> Oscar make a face. <laughs> so. uh, honestly, no, no, sorry, Oscar. Yeah, go on. No, no, I, 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 I wanted to be dramatic. I don't really have a significant point to make. Yeah. No. Uh, just other than to say that I think that St. Albans would take solace from the fact that mm. Dandy City and Hume both have tougher remaining pitches. Yeah, they might stay up, yeah. as I said, by default. The two yeah. greatest words in English. Language. Yeah, I mean, so, Dandy Nong City have got South and Bentley. Like, yeah. can I see uh, them? Back can to I back see, eight nils. Can I see them getting points in those games? Yeah, can I see them getting four, f- more than four points? Well, it requires Hume as well to get points. Yeah, exactly. Which um, you never know. Weird um, things happen in NPL Victoria, mate. I'm not sure. But, look, I think... The the key question for St Albans now going into this week, which we'll of course preview later, is what kind of appetite do Oakley in yeah. the context of well, they've everything a- they've got to worry about? They'll be playing the Australia Cup in a handful of days' time. Port Melbourne's on their ass, after, mate. They've got to, they've got to, they've got after after the point. game, yeah, I know, but they've got so many. You know, the, the cattle just isn't there for them yeah, at but the moment. Got to win. They've man. got an Australia. But they could they get away with the point? Could they just? Uh, Depends what happens with Bentley. Bentley need to help them now. Like they need to say Bentley. That's true. You're, and that game might that close, game might be after the keep fixture. Keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer, mate. Well, I, I'm just curious to know what kind of appetite Oakley have to yeah. to win that game. What, what kind of mate. a team they field? What kind of an approach they take? Because St Albans maybe would be like, mm, maybe we can. You know, what, mate? I'm leaving here with some. If I'm, even if, I, if, I'm if I'm Oakley, mate, I'm going in with an appetite like I'm eating at a big smorgasbord. I'm going in. I want the full buffet. I'm not going in half half-hearted. The opportunity to say I'm about... going in with an appetite like I'm going to Jack Edwards Reserve and the Suvlaki's yeah, on well, sale was what? right there. Okay, well, sorry, but I'm or talking I know about, I'm okay. going to Nikos no, Quality no, 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 Cakes no. at full time. You're going, yeah, yeah. You're going in with the appetite that you want to have two Suvlaki, you want to have a, a bucket of chips, and you want to go for a frappere afterwards as well at Nikos Cakes. That's it, hitting all the all the spots. You don't want to be going in thinking, I just want to have maybe a bottle of water and maybe get a chocolate bar or something and just see how we go. Might tie me over till dinner. No, 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 no. You're eating and you're taking advantage of the full buffet right there and the full opportunity to, to stuff your face. Oakley need to win this game. Like there is no – we'll talk about it later. Should we get this fight up? They need to win <laughs> this game. There is no BSing about this. Like they can't afford to drop more points in the league. Yeah, I mean, the thing is they could especially still play – Especially Port Melbourne's and on also- like, no disrespect to St. Albans. Uh, Oakley could still not play at their they best. They could still play. I mean, who they they it's, could it's, They could rest the, you know, who are they gonna rest? Joe Knowles yeah, and play Chris Lucas, Lucas and, still and be th- they could still win. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways. anyway, NPL 2 catch-up yes. game. Important, yes. important result for one team in the yep. promotion race, yep. Nick. Um, I'll leave. Br- you're the correspondent for the yeah, NPL yeah, 2 Brunswick, now. Brunswick, Juventus got the job done. I mean, uh, even without Gianfranco and Palazzari at the helm, obviously suspended. He's not, he's not been that, sacked. Yeah. No, no. Luca, Luca Andreacchio. Clearing us of libel. Uh, yep. Uh, Luca Andre, Andreacchio uh, took over for this game against Kingston. They got the 1-0 win. Of course, guess who? Josh Knight with mm-hmm. the solitary goal. 
What that really means is, guys, heading into these last two games, and oh my God, I can't wait to talk about MPL 2 a little bit later on the show, because Jesus, I can't wait for this weekend. You know, I reckon that is a MPL phrase two. that has only ever been said by people sitting on this yes. table, and it's not even I, all three. I, get, I am so emotionally invested in this MPL 2 promotion and relegation race. It is just, it is the best league in the world, MPL 2. I, I just froth it. It is the best. There's so much <laughs> desperation on the line. There's so it, many it, fun characters. As someone who has been following it for three years now, it, it is pretty yeah, pole. It, it is, it is great. That. And you know what? Brunswick Juventus still alive in the promotion race. They are goal difference behind Pasco Vale, but two points now behind Moreland City and only four behind North Geelong. So, Lockie, we were talking about the old switcheroo that might happen at the end of this season. It's still alive for Paco and Brunswick Juventus, but for Kingston, on the other hand, they're hanging on by a thread. A thread, guys. Like I'm talking about we're talking a very minuscule thread right here. Two goals outside of the relegation battle, or the playoff battle, uh, with Werribee sort of just on their tails. But basically by the fact that Kingston have to play GV Suns this week is the reason why they probably will stay up. But we're, And Werribee having a, just a torturous run to the finish. Yeah. The other but, the other important thing for them, of course, is the weekend they play GV Suns is also the same weekend that the two teams above them are taking points off. Well, absolutely. attempting to take well, points yeah, off absolutely. one another in, in Brunswick. And but I think three points for Kingston might actually be enough for them to stay up. So yeah. they get the job done this week. I mean, they've had a tough season. Um, you know, they've brought, they, they tried to sort of change things in the midway point of the year by signing guys like Charlie Fry like and Case Honda, Honda. Honda. Yeah, yeah um, as well with, you know, Parascos coming in. Not that one, just yeah. to be clear. I mean, they, they, they went and they thought, all right, well, we can try and, you know, make the most of what we can right here. But it just hasn't worked out for Contangalakis' side. I think they'll still stay up, but we'll talk about those games in just a sec. And the other catch-up game, which I actually saw uh, former FNR alum as well, Tonchi Prusak, wrote the match report on this game as well in the Geelong Addy. He did. Um, on Sunday morning when I was down Friend in G-Town. Of the network. Yep. Uh, Geelong 4-0 win against Springvale White Eagles. I mean, for Geelong, it just solidifies their spot in the mid-table. For them, their promotion rate hopes are over. But Springvale, on the other hand, still inside the bottom two mm. uh, by a single point behind Ballarat. But talking about this weekend, Lockie, because we – we, we have to give the state leagues a bit of love, only because these are the teams that will be coming to MPL next season. Well, one of them four is, teams. is guaranteed. Now. Absolutely. So as a result of their, I believe, yep, they did they win on the, they play on the weekend? They, yep, no, they, they did. Played, yep. They played a catch-up game. Yep. Yeah. Against Strathmore, uh, Caroline Springs, George Cross will be in MPL 3 next year. A 2-0 win for them, but also a 4-0 win for Essendon Royals against Brimbank Stallions. So what that means as a result is that Basically, Essendon are promoted. If Sydenham Park don't win, they've got a catch-up game coming up. But if Sydenham Park don't get nine points for their next three, which I consider quite unlikely, mm. and Essendon Royals absolutely cark it, uh, Caroline Springs, George Cross, and Essendon Royals will be in MPL 3 next season. While in the Men's State League 1 South East, Bo Morrison now into second, leapfrogging Burundara after a win on the weekend. Um, that was a 3-0 win against Eltham Redbacks and obviously Mornington, a 2-0 win against Warrigal, your side down there, Lockie. Uh, Mornington's still alive for the for the hunt for promotion. They're obviously only two points behind Bo Morris, and that's that's a tight race to the finish, guys. Oh, Looking yeah. at that. I mean, Melbourne City first on 44, Bo Morris second on 42, Borondara 41, Mornington 40. Jeez, it's going to be a fun run to the finish to see who comes I'm really comes curious up. to see, I mean, obviously they've got it guaranteed at first, but yeah. Melvin as an NPL 3 well, club. They've got... They've yeah. got some good the players. actual players they've got are of NPL three, if not more. They've got Jamie, uh, Damien Iaconis. They've got Rowan McNamee, who's mm. most recently played NPL three with uh, with Box Hill. Uh, James Carvelis as well, the former captain of Northcote City. Mm. 
There's some good talent yeah, and, in that and, for and, a State League One squad. And have a look at this, guys, in terms of this weekend in State League One. Malvern City versus Borondara this. this weekend. <laughs> look at this. Yeah, Malvern versus Borondara probably will be the promotion decider because mm-hmm. actually if Malvern win that game, is that they a, are uh, up. Is that it? Zelman Cohen That Park? is at Kuyong Park. Oh, I might actually. What time it's is that? 3, 3 p.m. on Saturday? Oh, I might yeah. go. Well, you're going to ditch Lange. Oh, good point. Yep, good point. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, Lockie's other team, Mornington, hosting Eltham Redbacks Not at 3pm at Dallas Brook Park. Uh, Mornington's still alive in the hunt for promotion. So I wish them all the one. best, but and, I have uh, clearly pinned my colours. That's all right, Lockie. We understand that you have, to, you have to you have to In keep the southeastern support You have states. to keep that, that, that support just to the side. I understand it. It's okay. It's uh, not a secret <laughs> love. It's just a, an outward. Understand. I respect yeah. Mornington. Understand. I don't support them. I understand you want them in MPL 3 next season, but it is okay. Both. I, d- I would love to have them in MPL three, <laughs> but I don't support them. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> Bo Morris taking on as well Mazenod this weekend in terms of the other um, game to keep an eye on in the promotion race in Men's State League One. But obviously, Sydenham Park against Corio this week uh, is really the game to keep an eye on in Northwest, while Essendon Royals taking on Keelor Park. So a win for Essendon Royals will get them into uh, into MPL 3 or a Sydenham Park defeat. So looking forward to that one. Next week, we'll keep an eye sort of on who's going to be coming up next. But uh, Lockie right, and Oscar, I reckon let's get into the previews for this weekend. Yeah, it would be tough for Mornington if they were doing trips to Ballarat and Geelong next oh, season. Yeah. Be, I'd be hoping that Spring Valley. That would be yeah. devastating for my side. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and as well, GV Suns, if they go oh, down yeah. as well. well. Imagine that. Well, that's... If. I feel like that's for everyone, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, how, how funny would it... Just saying, objectively. Would it be just hilarious if GV Suns don't win a game? We have, I think we have discussed yeah. this. And just, just saying it again. I want to hear Oscar's thoughts. GV Suns don't win a game. Yeah. They play Western United in the playoff. Actually, they play... No, they'll play Melbourne Victory. More Sorry, likely. I know this is, this is, you know, where your allegiances lie with oh. your work, Oscar. But GV Suns don't win a game all year, but then win the playoff and stay yeah. up. Wouldn't that be something? It would be a story. I think oh, we've all unbelievable. I think we've all revealed our work allegiances this evening. <laughs> yeah, well, may as well just come out and say it. I work for Bulleen. But I'm not gonna <laughs> and I host Paco Radio, which is not on tonight. But yes, I am still here. And I'm still showing oh, that there's thank no God for that. <laughs> yeah, thank but, God. But um, anyways, that. let's get into this weekend, guys. It's a massive weekend of MPL Victoria, the penultimate round of MPL Victoria. So much on the line. Like, you can really feel that finals is just around the corner. We're getting closer towards the nitty-gritty. But let's start off on Friday night. Melbourne Knights. <laughs> I was just going to give you that, like, a 10 out of 10 energy. For, like, Mate, you know what? I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to bring the energy. The I feel stamina. like... It's like watching the Bentley Greens Mate, radio I, I, present I, I start, form. It just keeps going. I start I start slow, and then I start building it, and yeah. I come in, and I finish strong. But anyways, let's, yeah. let's start The Yagub Mustafa of this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Friday night footy down at... Uh, <laughs> Night Stadium, Knights versus Altona. This is the problem with going in a hundred percent the whole time. Eventually, the wheels will fall off. Eventually, I'll start talking like you know we're Sorry, talking about reference. Talking man. about St Kilda versus Brisbane on Friday night, but no, it is Friday night footy. Melbourne Knights versus Altona. Uh, we spoke. I mean, this really is a game between two sides who have well, Altona have basically wrapped up uh, their spot in MPL Victoria next season. Uh, how do we see this one going? More pride for Melbourne Knights take out this season. I'll tone it a ride, a bit of momentum after their 3-0 win against Bentley. Uh, how do we see this one going? I think regardless of what happens, there'll be some excellent commentary on this game. Uh, in terms of on the field... Are you trying to hint at something, Oscar? No. Is Chris Gleeson making a return? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Great. Wow. That's sensational. <laughs> That's awesome. good. No, it's actually I take awesome. It back. I take it back. I'm, I'm playing, wow. I'm playing you, to the crowd. Are you, are you commentating, Oscar? 
on oh, Friday. Gee, I mean, if you insist on bringing it up, yeah, sure. Okay, so I mean, the, that, that, the, that's it's, it's not that big of a reveal. It's just no, okay, I, Oscar's, Oscar's commentating. No, sensational. No, this is this is very respectful to listen to the podcast. Now they know to listen to this yeah, game on mute. It's not... perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I will also be doing... It's very rude to Katie <laughs> Labesky. A wonderful wow. commentator. Wow. I can't believe you say that. Okay. Wow. I, th- I think we're getting too much I'm gonna into... Have to, I'm going to have to cut this clip up and send yeah. it to Katie. And just say... <laughs> I just lost myself a very good... Uh, very good... Very good commentary partner. You That's are you are just rude. Okay. No, it's not about good energy. You're just flat out rude enough, now. In the last enough. Show. Okay, the the locker room chat does nothing for the listeners. <laughs> this podcast. They want to know the results. Yes. They want to know who we Melbourne well, Knights. Do they want to know who we think is going to win? We're going to tell them anyway. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne Knights are going to win this game. Uh, two 0 uh, I'm going to go a two, a one 0 win to Melbourne Knights. So you're going to go a Desmond for a no, second. No, no Desmond. Two no, two. No, 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 well, no. I was going to do one 0 but then instead I'll go three one Melbourne Knights. Okay. Okay. Well, no no love for Altona here. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, this is the nights the way they've gone about it the last yep. couple of weeks. Well, the beauty about Friday night football this week is that you can stagger the staggered kickoffs. I mean, actually, it's three staggered kickoffs on NPL.tv, which we'll talk mm. in a sec. You can go to the triple screen and then you can go from one game to another. It's just sensational. 8 30 p.m., which we think on Friday night is going to happen at this time. We spoke about this game might be moved. Bentley Greens versus Port Melbourne. Probably, given the stakes, one of, if not the game of the week. Third versus fifth. I'm going to go a Port Melbourne 1-0 win. I just get a feeling Bentley, if this game goes ahead on Friday, I'm a bit worried for Bentley uh, coming off the game against Sydney. Mm. Just how much uh, ticker they've got after that game against Sydney. They might be a bit gassed. And I don't think Port Melbourne are a team you want to play when you have played as often as Bentley have. So I I, I agree. I think it'll be a Port Melbourne win. I'd say 2-0. I'm going to work off the assumption that the game's not on Friday. Wow, Wow, okay then. And the... Is that controversial? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, no, the reason is because it Bentley Greens probably should get moved. Bentley Greens having slightly more rest time maybe factors into the you know the prediction I'm making, which means it'll be a competitive one. What I would say is uh, I hope very sincerely that this game replicates what the two sides were able to produce last time they met at Kingston Heath. Mm. It was a, a 3-2 ripper in favour mm-hmm. of the Port Melbourne Sharks. I think Port came back from 2-1 down to win 3-2 in stoppage time. John Quoll scoring a last-minute yep. header. Now Dandenong City's uh, John Quoll, who scored a last-minute header. One of the the best NPL 2 games that... Uh, sorry, NPL 2. Excuse me. Uh, NPL games that I saw last season. I'm hoping that we get a repeat of this mm-hmm. whenever it is. But I do think the result will be the same as it was on that day and Port Melbourne will win. Although I'm going to say 3-1 this time. I think we're saying that even if the game is moved, it will still be in the midst of many Bentley games yes. and that the, the fact is Yes, but still all, be all I'm saying is an extra couple of days rest might make yes. it more competitive yep. I still think than Bentley you could, could expect could on Friday. A short turnaround. I mean, they beat Oakley off that short turnaround after playing Broadmeadow. I know Broadmeadow and I mean, Oakley and, also yeah, got their absolutely. Own to worry but about. But obviously as well, Bentley, I mean, if they rotate their squad and they've got that squad depth, yes. I, if the game gets moved to, say, Monday or Tuesday next week, I mm. think Bentley could fancy themselves a lot more than playing on the Friday. Yeah. So but one thing's for certain, I do agree with your yeah. suggestion, Nick. This is this is game of the round, for sure. Oh, there's a game coming up we'll talk about in just a sec. I think in terms of quality yes, of the yes, football, yes, yes, probably, yeah. Um, yeah. like if you want to watch yeah. two si- nice footballing sides play, it on, the, still, play yeah. it on the deck, uh, I think that'll be the game. S- yeah. Let's Narrative-wise, maybe it's yeah. a different one. Saturday afternoon. Now, this is... 
Well, if they win, it will be the 2022 Premiership decider, South Melbourne versus mm. Dandenong City. A lot on the line for Dandy City. I mean, they just simply have to get points right now if they want to stay up uh, in NPL Victoria next season. Uh, down at Lakeside Stadium, 5.45 p.m. I'm going to go South Melbourne 2-1. They're going to really struggle over the finish. Storyline to watch who leads the line now that Harry Sawyer is gone. I'm really cognizant of the fact that we have South Melbourne listeners to this podcast yep. and some of them may be watching live right now. And, might and your be... head may now be on the dartboard if you say South Melbourne aren't going to win or drop points. I'm going to say South Melbourne won. Wow. Dandy Dog City won. Wow. I just have wow. this feeling. I just... Wow. I just have this feeling that... Even we've debated at length, Nick, how this absence, uh, departure of... (laughs) (laughs) Not sure where you're going with that one, but anyway. uh, We've we've debated um, quite a lot on this show how significant an impact that Harrison Sawyer departure will have. I think if you want to have a game where you're trying to figure it out... This may be... No, don't I so? don't think this. I don't think a side who are playing, and I'm happy to to be wrong here. I'm mm-hmm. happy to to die by my own words. Yeah. You can play this back to me next week yeah, if I'm wrong. Have to. I would completely not. I wouldn't be shocked at all if South Melbourne win. In fact, if I had to pick a team, I'd say they'd obviously be the more likely one to win. Um, easy prediction to make. Yeah, bold call. <laughs> I know, but Dandenong City fighting for their lives. Yeah, every man will be behind the ball. South even with Harry Sawyer, have maybe on occasion found the going a bit more tough against those sides who do really, really play in that low block, mm. do compress the space in which yeah. South are able to operate. I think they're still my favourites for winning the grand final, but they do have to figure out how they approach the game. Are they going to go with a different tactical yeah. approach? Well, they have to. Uh, or are they going to try... As Josh suggested after listening to our show last week, uh, Josh Parrish, yes. FE commentator, for those who don't know, Mr. Preston himself. Well, I shouldn't really say that, but anyway. <laughs> um, are they going to maybe throw a surprise option up I forward? I don't we see, see that happening. Okay, but I'm just countenancing all the, the possibilities Maybe like as a 90 possibilities here. minutes. But a, as we're establishing just in this very sure. chat, there's a lot for South Melbourne to actually yeah. have to yes. figure out and against the side who are fighting for survival will throw as many men as possible behind the ball but also are coming into the game with an upset in their backs uh, with some decent form, uh, with Tommy Semi in ripping form as an individual. I don't know if that's the ideal game to be like, yep, we figured it out, let's get a win. But as I said, happy for this to be played back uh, and and I will admit South Melbourne fans who are listening and raging internally at my suggestion that you will draw this game, happy to be wrong. I, I, I find, Lucky, your argumentation compelling, to be honest. However. <laughs> no, but. not however. As a result... Oh. I also oh. can see Dandy City getting something out of this game. I would go nil-nil, though. Ooh. I can see this being a real scrap. And as we're discussing South Melbourne, uh, I think there will be an adjustment period, if nothing else, to, to a new attacking lineup in some whatever form that well, takes. All I'm saying is Esteban Quintas has had a fortnight to work it out. But to the execute part. it on the day. No, no, I know, I know, I know. But, 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 hey, he's had a fortnight to 
figure out. Yeah, but he's had different. Two, we're not okay. We're not getting into this debate. No, 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 again. no. But I'm just saying he's had a fortnight to think he, about who's going to lead the line. He's had a fortnight to figure out how to change a system that it has been the way for two years. Well, who said they're going to change the system? Maybe they'll play with some bit. Maybe they'll play exactly the same. But just, so maybe they will throw Marco Yank. Maybe, but I doubt it. I think they'll go joining him and just play trying exactly the same way, which that I know won't, won't work, work. But that won't work. And we'll you predicted hey, them to win. Hey, I, I, I still think. Top. I still think. Who knows? South Mel. Oh, okay, I'm let, saying is South Melbourne could game. still win this game. I still think Dandy Dandy City get a point out of this game. I reckon that could be enough to keep them up. By the way, mm. if Hume Hume, we'll talk. Well, actually, next, game, segue. next game. Next game. Yeah. Hume City <laughs> hosting Dandenong Thunder, seven p.m. Saturday night. Now, there's a lot on the line this game because not only Hume are hanging on here. Dandenong Thunder can still play finals, guys. They can still play finals, but I don't, this is one thing that I'm a, a bit baffled by, and I'd like to have a bit of a please explain. Like, I understand the opportunity doesn't come around to test yourself against A-League men opposition every week, but you're pushing for finals and you're playing Melbourne Victory this Wednesday. Like, Well, and they played Melbourne City the week yeah, before isn't that. Yeah, isn't that a little bit like, you know, a bit like, oh, wouldn't you want to just, like, kind of rest a few bodies? Like, I know they're still playing decent, but, like, wouldn't you think against victory, maybe just I mean, play a few, rest a few guys? And- I, I guess if if you were going to, I would say this friendly against victory is the more forgivable or understandable sure. of the two, considering they actually haven't played this week and they're wanting to keep yeah, that match sharpness up. But we will see how it impacts them in this I game. I still think they're going to win. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win yeah. uh, 3-1, Danny Dong Thunder. They're going to stay alive in the finals hunt. It's going to go right down to the final day. I don't mind the decision to play these games against A-League men's opposition on the basis that not only for the match sharpness point, but I think that when you compare that to sure. who they play, I, I think it it kind of shifts the goalposts, if you will, for the standard that, that Dandy Thunder is setting themselves. And I think that that can be beneficial to kind of like take a step back down to have kind of just been through that experience of having to demand more of themselves than they would usually expect. I feel like that could have a positive effect in the short term, which is all they really need it to do is in the short term. Mm. Uh, and so on that basis, I too will predict a dandy thunder win. Uh, I will say 2-0. This was, a- again, sort of going back to something I mentioned earlier about the, one of the best games I saw in 2021 uh, between Port Melbourne and Bentley. This fixture at George Andrews is one of the best games mm. I've seen this season. Probably the one of the best games I've seen, period. Uh, three all between these two sides. This time, though, I think with the form that they're taking into it, Thunder were a little bit more topsy-turvy at that point of the season when they took on Hume. I think it was Hume's first point against Thunder, uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly at the time. But I think this Thunder side are a different entity than the one that coughed up those points or the first point of the year to Hume. So I still think it'll be a cracker. I still think it'll be high scoring, but this time I think Thunder will get the win and I think it will be 3-2. I was going to say 4-2, but I'll stick with 3-2. If they win, they should stay alive at least they for another really week. They would really be wanting Avondale oh, and Heidelberg boy. to draw. That's going to be an absolute... If, if Danny Long Thunder's alive, it's just going to create so much more drama for that final day. Because they play Gully on the final day yeah. as well. And yeah. if Gully... Well, actually, they can't catch Gully. Mathematically, they're seven points behind Gully, but it just keeps them alive. It keeps the belief, you know. And and I think they're playing in the final game. They're at home against yeah, Gre- yeah against Green Gully. So on their home deck, it's going to be rocking down George Andrews Reserve even as well for um for Wednesday for tomorrow night for mm-hmm. Dandy Nong Thunder v Victory. So it's going to be good to see if Dandy Thunder can you know just keep their hopes alive for one more week. But Hume they need points. So very curious to see how that one plays out.
a team as well that just needs probably a point or <laughs> potentially three just to wrap it up. We spoke about it before. St. Albans versus Oakley, 3 p.m. down at Churchill Reserve on Sunday. Lockie, you're commentating this game as well. Uh, how do you see this game going? I personally reckon Oakley going to win this game 1-0. Look, despite all the job I did before when we were talking about St. Albans trying to open the door up for them to get a point off Oakley in this game, I do still think that Oakley will win. I don't think it'll be an easy game for them to win. I think it will be a bit of a a rugged game potentially. But at the end of the day, even if St. Albans do make themselves hard to beat in this contest, which is what I'm expecting... Um, because they would probably be reasonably hoping for a point out of this, you know, three they'd take, but I think a point is the realistic expectation uh, for for Dinamore. I just think Oakley have got enough game-breaking quality to really, to get the lead. And I think once they have the lead, they're a great team on the break. They will make it more as St. Albans try to search for a route back into the contest. And I think that's, kind of what we saw last time they met. So I think I will go 2-0 for Oakley. I was going to actually go with St. Albans. Wow. Wow. But I've just looked through St. Albans games. I don't think they've won a league game since May, which which is a long time to not win a league game. And it's shattered my confidence in St. Albans springing an upset in this instance. So on that basis, I will say I will go with 1-0 Oakley as well. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Now, the co-current kickoff is mm. huge. Huge down at the Olympic Village. Heidelberg versus Avondale, 3 p.m. Sunday. Now, talking about stakes, this is 6th versus 7th. Avondale wins back in the 6th. Heidelberg out of the 6th. Heidelberg wins. Finals is wrapped up. Now, a draw is what Dandy Thunder fans are probably hoping for. Uh, there's a chance for both these teams still to, well, especially for Heidelberg, still to potentially get a home elimination and final. In the event of a draw, Avondale would, they, well, all yep. three yep, from yep, yep. six to eighth would be alive on the final oh, day. Absolutely, right? and be awesome. Greens as well, depending on what result yeah, they get against Port Melbourne. Um, but, guys, I am going to go with a 2 all draw in this game. I reckon it's going to be a ripper. I think both teams are going to lay it all out there. It's going to be a really, really fun game. Um, but, yeah, Heidelberg and Avondale keep Dandy Thunder alive for one more week and sets up a huge final week where Heidelberg plays the Lions and Avondale have got to play South Melbourne. So talk about big games, what's going to set up in, in uh, match day 26. For me right now, I am all for the chaos, so I'm going 2-2. It's kind of funny, these two teams, because their seasons have always been kind of opposite in terms yeah. of trajectory. Mm. One's gone like sort of, they've gone like... One's gone now. For, for, the, for the podcast listeners, you can't <laughs> see the graphs that Nick just made. One of them has gone... <laughs> and the other one has gone... <laughs> <laughs> no, you've you got to do this concurrently, like, you know. Oh, it's con- it's well, well, I can't um, make two noises at the same time, <laughs> Nick. What do you expect from me? I was hoping that my <laughs> verbal description was sufficient, but sure, please add your so, your musical predictions. <laughs> Prediction. Uh, 3-1 Heidelberg. Ooh, the same scoreline as, as last time. Wow. Interesting. No. Impressive. Very nice. Oh, I genuinely, I'm going to fully admit, I have 
absolutely no clue how this like wow like I, I I'm I'm disappointed as opposed to the rest no 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 of no, no, no. as in as I in the prediction I'm making will not be based on any strong inclination of like you know facts and logic um you know heading into it <laughs> as I might with another game you know I've provided some context okay. to my predictions for a lot of other other ones but this one I really can't pick how it's going to go and that makes me actually think that I'm going to copy Nick's homework and oh. say that it will be 2-2. Because that is genuinely the gut reaction was a, was a two-all draw. You know what they always say, go with your gut. And part of the reason I put that forward is because it sets up an incredible or will set up an incredible final day where Heidelberg will take on Eastern Lions, <laughs> who you would expect them to beat, but Eastern Lions... They've had that up. They've taken it's points off teams Creek. in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> it's at Gardner's Creek. Eastern Lions took points off them last time these two sides met. Yes, that was the different Heidelberg side, but that form does count for something. And South Melbourne and Avondale, with Avondale needing the win on the final day. I what mean, what happened last time? That could be one of the all-time games. Well, one of the comebacks. It could be it could be one of the all time games. So I'm going to make a make a two all prediction, partially because I'm not really sure, uh, and it's easier to steal someone else's answer than actually produce my own, and also because it will set up uh, a really incredible final day. And I think, you know, speaking amongst us, but also you know speaking to the people who are watching, who are listening, I think an incredible final day of the season is what Victorian football deserves in the context of the last two years. Yep, and that's all at the same time of 3pm next Sunday. Co-current kickoff. I want want the chaos, I want the drama, I I want the excitement because we have been so starved Mm. of all of those things for such a long time. Well, let's go to more chaos, Lockie, shall we? Let's go to NPL 2, my favourite league. Let's do it. All right. This weekend, big big games, fellas. And Green Gully are going to be Eastern Lions. Well, that's 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 next Thursday because you know, like we'll talk about that next okay, week. We'll okay, so week. sorry to the Green Gully okay. listeners. Anyways, MPL two. Just a quick whip through of the games this week. So starting off Friday night, the <laughs> all right, Pakua. Oh, it's all right. We're getting there. Anyways, MPL two. Quick whip. Our producer just to be clear. And, and, oh. and, and NPL TV uh, is this. This is this is the game that run NPL TV. Pasco Val versus Moreland City. Mm. I'll be there doing that game solo on the rickety scaffold at uh, at CB Smith Preserve at eight fifteen PM on Friday. So again, you want to have your three co-current kickoffs. This is the game that's smashed in between the two others. So this is going to be huge. Pasco Val versus Moreland City. We know what's on the line in this game. Mm. Moreland City win. They're basically promoted. Pasco Vale wins. They leapfrog Moreland City and keep their hopes alive of promotion. When uh, On Saturday, we've got Werribee versus Northcote. Again, a lot in the line for Werribee. They simply need to get points to get out of that playoff position. Northcote, on the other hand, just playing for pride and uh, happy Cotsy's corner. Uh, <laughs> Brunswick City versus Langwari. Now, this is a huge game. Dunstan Reserve, 3 p.m. on Saturday as well. Uh, Langy, three points clear. Brunswick City, only a point clear. Langwarren basically get a point. Well, actually, they get a point and they're safe. So a lot on the line for them. Brunswick, on the other hand, they get a win and they'll be safe. So, again, a lot on the line heading into that one. North Geelong versus Bulleen. Now, North Geelong win this game, guys. They are promoted. Anything less than a win against a team like Bulleen, who it depends what side of the bed they wake up on, um, and they stay alive for yet another another week. And they play Moreland City in that last game. Moreland City in that last game at Well Money Park is going to be interesting. So that's at Elcho. This game's at Elko Park. On Saturday, yeah. yep, on uh, Saturday. 
So that'll be an interesting one as well. Manningham versus Brunswick Juventus. An Italian derby. Yes, absolutely. The Blues versus Juventus. Obviously, Juve looking to keep their promotion hopes alive. Slot on the line there. And then at 4 p.m., Kingston versus Golden Valley Suns. Oh, it's Manningham going to be a, it's going a tough to be a huge, team to beat. huge yeah. game, and it's going to be a lot on the line. Kingston and Golden Valley as well. We mentioned Kingston win that game, and they should be safe. But again, it all depends on what happens below them. So a lot on the line there. But guys, that Pasco Valmore and City game. Oh, yeah. oh, baby, I can't wait for it. It's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be huge. If Pasco Val wins, oh. Boy, yeah, it's gonna be, it's if, gonna... if you're as enthusiastic about the MPL2 <laughs> as uh, as some of us are on this table, which I'll admit is probably unlikely, uh, even if you're half as enthusiastic, uh, that game appointment viewing on Friday night. Absolutely. Absolutely. For no other reason. But anyways, uh, MPL3 this week. Just quick run through these games. All Saturday kickoffs by the looks of it as well. Yeah. But starts off Whittlesea versus Springvale, bottom two sides. Springvale simply just need to win this game and get themselves in a mm. position to stay up. That's a game to really Will keep they, an eye on. That'll be interesting. Yep. North Sunshine versus Western United. Again, a lot on the line right here game. because North Sunshine win. Can you believe it? They can still make the playoffs. And they're in red-hot form too, I think. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're unbelievable. I they're can't believe that. If they, they win the game against Western United, they will be in with a right shot on the, the hunt, final yeah. day. And it'll be five in a row. And who have they got in the final day, North Sunshine? That's the big question. They play Ballarat City away. So they're, they're right in it, fellas. Yep. They're right in it. The other one as well, Nunawading versus Doveton. That's the MPL3 fixture on MPL.TV. Uh, that game, obviously, at Marnie's Reserve. Nunawading, another team that's still in it. A win for them and a North the hunt, Sunshine yeah. win. And, geez, they could actually Especially go if it's, fourth. I mean, if it's a draw between North Sunshine and Western United, perfect, really, for... No, in a way, I mean, none of North Sunshine wins and none of Wadding wins. None of Wadding could be fourth in mm, the week. So either true. way, it could work either way for them. Um, Melbourne City versus Box Hill, huge game for Melbourne City. Obviously, going for the, the championship right now with Preston, they, they, yeah, they need to slip. win. Yeah. They lose, and Preston wins against Ballarat City at six p.m. at BT Connor Reserve on Saturday. If there's appointment viewing, that's the game to get to. That game will be live streamed on the Preston Facebook page. Mm. Uh, so that's definitely a game to keep an eye on, and yes. of course. Geelong versus Melbourne Victory's Academy side. Melbourne Victory simply have to win. Uh, if they do, they should have a playoff spot. Just think about how many fixtures we've run through in all <laughs> three so leagues. There's so many. How many times have you used the phrase have to win? But there I are. I guess that does speak it's to good. the strength of all three of these competitions, uh, I suppose. Yeah. St- strength? Strength? The, so the chaos, fact, the excitement factor. I was just going to go for strength. We've got your strength. promotion <laughs> battle in MPL 2. We've got the finals race in MPL 1. The relegation battles in both divisions. All three divisions. We've got the championship race, the playoffs race. Oh, my goodness. And if I can add victory, play Nana Wadding in the final day of the season. Four. So, you know, it, it keeps getting bigger. <laughs> Could you imagine victory versus Nana Wadding, both on 35 uh, points into that last game? That's an epic stadium, isn't it? Uh, it would be because I think yes. none, and none of Whiting won, won the previous one at Marnie's, uh, Marnie's Reserve. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Guys, all I'm going to say is what a weekend coming up. It is going to be huge. It's it's, huge. Uh, I'm excited. I am so pumped. I feel like a kid on Christmas right now heading into this weekend. Imagine how I'm going to feel next week. <laughs> You're like a kid on kid on Christmas two weeks before Christmas is actually happening. Yeah, mate. You know what? I've got Michael. If there's the what's the Michael Bublé equivalent of like Christmas Carol versions for MPO? Is it Frozen Tears? Uh, I, I, yeah, I can't answer that on the podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, if it is a massive final two weeks of the season, uh, plus finals and pro rail playoffs yeah. to come. If you want to keep abreast of it, uh, stick with us on the NPL Victoria podcast. If you missed any of tonight's show, uh, you can of course catch it. On uh, 
pretty much any platform where you yep. get your podcast. If yep. you can, the way I like to put it is, if you can think of a podcast platform, uh, we are on there. You can listen to us right wherever you like. If you want to watch our video, this video back again. Uh, Nick, you've made quite a lot of important hand gestures. None of them rude. None of them towards me. None of them well, towards the viewer. you touched me at the start. And I was like, mate, I need Well, if it. you want to see that, you no, can also... No, 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 You can no. also watch back the stream yeah, or yeah, watch future spared, streams live on uh, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. Um, but yeah, until next week, uh, we'll have confirmation of when the show will be airing next week very shortly, but we'll have a lot to review uh, and we'll be getting very keen for a simultaneous final day kickoff of the season. Uh, but until then, from myself, Lockie Flanagan, from Nick Tabano. Yes. And from Oscar Rutherford, uh, goodbye yes. for now. Bye.